Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Henry Ward and today we're joined by seasoned trader Wes Knowles. Wesley is one of our popular investors and has six years trading on our platform. How are you Wesley? I'm very good, thanks. Nice and hot in the south of France. So what's the, what's the weather like over there? Because it's, it's absolutely scorching here today in, in London. So the, the temperatures range in between 37 and 40 degrees every day. Um, but luckily, there are lots of lovely lakes in the south of France to swim in. Usually, we have Dylan here, who is the sidekick. But as you know from the previous podcast, Dylan has just given birth to a set of twins. So that's why he can't be with us today. Um, and wish him luck in, his, in the next 18 years of his life. <laughs> um, the podcast has a very simple format, and we go through three of the top financial stories on the news. Now, as we know, the tech has had a huge week or, um, or the last 10 days. Now, the three topics that we're looking at today is Pinterest, Apple, and Microsoft. But firstly, Wesley, how has your, how's your week of trading been going? It's been an incredible week. So I'm, I'm a, a big investor in tech. Uh, so we've seen the likes of Apple up 16% in the past week and several other big tech Organizations have reported their earnings, fantastic earnings, um, whereas more traditional companies have obviously been having a much more difficult time through the great lockdown. Perfect. Now, uh, the same for myself as if, uh, if you had been watching our one of the webinars or the podcast over the last over the last fortnight to 10 days and um, we had positions on the likes of apple long as a cfd we had adobe and we had DocuSign as cfds as well um, as well as the underlying asset as well going along and they're all up handsomely now at the minute so it's been a good week so far now the first topic that we're going to go into is pinterest so pinterest has had more than 320 million monthly active users that is a huge that's phenomenal amount of users for the likes of pinterest and their their stock price has actually skyrocketed because of it and um, what what is pinterest and why why have they 320 million users a month so pinterest is they're an interesting business they're one of the pioneers in terms of being able to visually market and sell indirectly to their audience they're a social network large number of people that have flocked to the platform. Um, obviously, online retail has been a segment that has, has done very well out of the great lockdown, but also people looking for other things to do, um, hobbies to take up, uh, activities to entertain their children and themselves. And Pinterest excels at presenting these types of information very visually uh, to their end users. And so, that has been quite compelling and has driven huge user growth, uh, user growth through the, the past uh, one quarter. It's a much, much different to the likes of Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. Is that what you're saying? Uh, so, so this is where things get, get quite interesting. I think Pinterest 
had first, first mover advantage in terms of the way that it works, uh, it is very different from, I would say, Facebook and Twitter. Although Facebook has recently launched a, a newish feature called Shop, and you're able to buy things directly on Instagram these days, browsing the feed. So I believe Facebook and Instagram are trying to close the gap uh, between themselves and Pinterest, having seen how successful the model is. But I would say there aren't many other businesses that are, have a, a very similar operating model to Pinterest. I read a very interesting stat when I was when I was researching when I was researching this that 52% of millennials in the US um, use Pinterest every single month. Why do you think it's it's so attractive to the likes of the younger people? So, as we know, a lot of people have been furloughed or or laid off, and I would expect a large portion of the millennial population to be in that probably in the more junior positions, which are more likely to be cut when belts need to be tightened. Uh, the other aspects of Pinterest and part of what they pioneered is they have a platform that is incredibly visual. And so it's, and, and for those of us that try to track trends across the various generations to see how they might affect particular businesses, we know that millennials are incredibly visual. They, they like images, they like videos. And so a platform that presents uh, its product and services in that way is going to be a lot more attractive than uh, something like Google Shopping, as an example, or potentially even, even Amazon, um, which doesn't emphasize the image imagery as much as Pinterest does. We saw that um, Pinterest on Friday, the stock actually jumped itself 36%. And uh, since yeah. the beginning of the week, it's up 42% from the beginning of the week. Uh, why, did, why did that jump so much? Because that is, that is a huge movement in a stock price. It is pretty crazy. And I'm not sure I would say the size of the jump is justified. So as a percentage, the number of monthly active users has increased by a massive proportion. Uh, but if you look at the earnings report, the details, revenues, I think we're only up 4% in the last quarter. So there are a number of stocks that are jumping massive amounts recently. Uh, I'm wondering if, sure, they had an excellent result. There was year-on-year -year growth. The number of monthly active users, uh, that um, the change in monthly active users was enormous. But is there some portion of FOMO that has driven the price higher? But uh, as we can see that Facebook has, has also jumped 8%. Um, Twitter revenue was down, but its, it's signups were up 23%. So that's been pretty flat. Yeah. Um, so my question, I suppose, is that are people just jumping on this tech bandwagon is because everyone is looking at tech as the stuff that's moving uh, through this pandemic, anything tech related, anything subscription services has actually skyrocketed. And is it just everyone sort of jumping on the bandwagon? Or do you think this is, this is the trend that we're going to continue going for the next couple of years? So I, I think there are, there are multiple factors involved, there are, there are definitely businesses that are feasibly doing better. Amazon, as an example, has not only smashed its revenue target in terms of earnings, it has also done incredibly well on the profit side of things. However, there are investors that are 
now looking to make a quick buck. They've seen that tech in general is doing well. They're not particularly looking at the nuances in the sub-segments within tech. So if there is a business that has posted incredible earnings and it makes its money out of, for example, advertising revenues such as Google or Facebook or Twitter, then people tend to buy other companies that are similar to that company, hoping to make an incredible return. However, I think that the point that you've made is also correct. For the past three months, if you had bought the dip, you would now be up on just about every single stock, tech stock at least, that is in the market. So it's almost as though investors are now involved in a game of chicken. They do not want to have their money out of the market because then they won't be making a decent return. They've seen that fantastic returns have been made. I mean, Pinterest has made 50% in a single month. So they're willing to take the higher risk bets of having their money still in the market and hopefully make those big returns and pull their money out just before the whole thing collapses. Now, as we all know, that's how the game really works. You can't see when the market's going to collapse. Um, but for now, the wonderful returns are just pulling more and more people into stocks and tech stocks in particular. No, but you say that it's gone up fifty percent in a month, which is which is a huge, a huge um, return on money. It actually, it's actually quite interesting because I remember the first ever podcast that I did here with Dylan. Um, we talked about Twitter, we talked about um, Facebook, and from the research, I was looking at the competitors and I looked into Pinterest as well. And off the back of that webinar. I actually, it actually was never posted live, but on the back of that webinar, I actually invested in Pinterest and I think I'm up like something like okay. 70 or 80% already this year. And that's, Amazing. that's literally, literally since the start of lockdown, which is phenomenal. Now, the question I want to ask you, Wesley, is that do you think that this is the right time to get into a stock like this or... Because I know you're someone who follows an awful lot of fundamental because I'm a technical trader. And from a technical standpoint, I need some sort of a pullback. I need a pullback. I need to come back into an area. I needed to test a support level or a resistance level and then go from there. But from a fundamental point of view, is this something that is worth a punt for, for our listeners? Or is this something that you would stay away from? So even as a fundamental trader, I would say that a lot of the market, including Pinterest, needs a pullback. So I, this might be a little controversial, but I have been a Pinterest bear for a long time. So <laughs> I, 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 I had a, I was had a lot of faith in Pinterest when when the business first launched and during its first successes, and I think initially it had quite a good competitive moat um, that was difficult for other companies to breach. However, I think that slowly they have been losing their edge. And looking at the fundamentals, I don't know if anyone um, has been looking at the fundamentals recently, they have been increasing their revenues kind of in a lumpy way year to year, but their profit situation is awful and they are not a young company. So even if they are the type of company that is able to turn a big revenue that is not enough. They need to turn that into a profit. Otherwise, how are they going to pay their debts? Um, what I, so that, that's looking at the long term, though. Looking at the, the shorter term view, I think that's one of the reasons that Pinterest wasn't able to make it a massive amount of revenue and profit in the past quarter is because 
the people that advertise on those platforms have decreased the amount of money that they're putting into advertising. I think that Pinterest probably over the, let's say, six to nine month period, coming period, they will start getting advertising dollars from those suppliers as well as for the people that are on the platform. So I would say I would probably wait for a pullback in the near term, get some money in there because I think that the next few quarters are probably going to be very good for them. So in, in short, to summarize that, so short-term traders, yes, but wait for a pullback. Long-term traders, you struggle to see the, the growth year on year. I think they have a tough time if you look at the financials. And I think that Facebook slash Instagram are coming for them. And to some degree, Shopify. I think Shopify is not a direct competitor, but in a way it could start eating into their, their uh, audience. On to our second topic. It's I know it's a it, it's a very small brand, and a lot of people may not have heard of this before. But our <laughs> our, our second topic is Apple. Now, Apple yep. to me is the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, Apple is up fifty three percent this year alone. Now, I, I yep. just I, I see a lot of people like you talked about it when we're talking about Pinterest. There, that people are just jumping into tech companies, and I'm getting it all the time. Huh? And because we're actually in a in a trade as a CFD on the likes of Apple Long at the present moment, I got a question going: Henry, is Apple going to hit 500? Now. And my answer to that was, is Apple is going up since the day it opened. As long as yeah. demand is there, why not? Um, and he's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, it, but it, it depends on how much risk you have on it. But the problem is, is that new traders are jumping in with massive risk. And, and, and can, can you see the likes of Apple continue going? I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the, the context is important. So we've been through something that's never happened before, the great lockdown. Lots of people have, lots of people that are new to investing have jumped in. There's lots of obviously new money from the government stimulus that's, that's flooded the market looking for a home. Those, those, um, those, che those, those checks in the US, yeah? <laughs> and then you have, yeah, the likes, um, you, you have the likes of furlough over here. Exactly. And I'm wondering if uh, um, Europe might get helicopter money, those might get checks at some point too. So um, so there's a lot of money slushing around the market. Um, there are a lot of new investors and experienced, and they tend to buy things that are going up already. They, they tend to buy things that they know. And Apple is obviously a well-known brand. So I'm a fundamental trader, but I've almost had to sit back and ignore fundamentals in some areas in order to um, to continue to make a profit. There are, there are my long-term positions I'll just leave in place, including Apple. Um, but shorter term, you need to trade a little bit differently. So, I mean, if you look at Apple as a, as, a, as a business, it wasn't that long ago that they had $1 trillion. Now they're at market cap is roughly, depending on where you look, $1.8 trillion. So I think they could hit the $2 trillion mark quite easily. Um, particularly since they have announced that they are going to split their stock, uh, which is, it, it has quite an interesting psychological impact on the market. So, so what, what we'll see, make, but I think what, so. 
Wes, what do you mean by psychological impact? Because that is something that I, I was going to go on to. Apple has announced that it's, it's four for one stock split, making stock more accessible to broader based investors, shareholders of, you know what I mean? It just means that the shares that you can buy are at a cheaper rate, but it can't be that, that simple for, for investors. I think the answer, the short answer is yes. And there's an unfortunate answer and there's a, there's a fortunate reason for the answer. The unfortunate answer is that uh, the unfortunate reason it is a yes, a large part of the market does not understand that a low stock price has made the stock cheaper. The fortunate reason for my answer yes is that that means that a lot more people are going to pile into the stock, driving the price up, the market cap up actually. And anyone that's in Apple, they're going to see an increase in the value of the stock they hold. Now, the interesting thing to note about that is that the experienced investors know that the inexperienced investors are going to do this. So they will also jump into the stock, trying to front run the inexperienced investors, uh, thereby driving the stock up even more. The share price should be able to be traded on the 31st of August at the cheaper rate, which is good to know for our investors. I get it all the time, Henry, I can't afford that stock, it's a thousand, it's a thousand dollars or nineteen hundred dollars. Whereas Apple is somewhere around three seventy mark. So it psychologically they will then go for the likes of that rather than which is a cheaper. But with the likes of eToro, you can buy fractional shares. So you can buy a stock uh, as minimal as fifty quid. Um, if you buy the CFD, you can have a stop loss of 25 quid, um, which means then that you actually can, the least you can lose on that stock is 25 quid. But the upside, if you get your entry correct, is, is exponential. But it, it's about education. That's one of the things that I find with, with, with investors and pe- teaching people how to trade is you have to educate yourself. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to know. And I mean, it's great that you can buy fractional shares on the eToro platform because you, you can't everywhere. And uh, I, I can't imagine people trying to afford, for example, Berkshire shares at full price. Um, so yeah, the, the fractional share element of the platform is great. We've seen a massive rise in Apple shares. So Apple shares have gone up 10% on Friday and they've continued to go up today. So they're up about 15% to 18% in a couple of days. Yeah. One of the big things for this is because their earnings report. So Wall Street expected their earnings per share to come in at $2.4 per share, where it actually came in at 2.58, which is an 18% rise in the earnings per share. So how can, uh, like you said, a company with a market cap of $1.6 trillion, how, how can they turn such a revenue or how can the estimation be so wrong in a good way? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the way that the, the estimates are derived is the business will forecast earnings, but then also analysts across the market will do perform investigations to, to different degrees. Some will visit the business, the factories, examine the, um, the operations of the business and try and uh, determine what earnings are likely. And for the likes of Tesla, for example, this means that people actually sit outside the factories and count the number of cars on the trucks that are leaving the factory to, in order to determine what the earnings might be for the coming quarter. It's, it's quite an interesting game. Okay. So, but they, they can't always see the internal machinations of a business. So 
Apple, I think, has been selling a lot more iPads recently, and they might have found a cheaper supplier in one area or a cheaper way to, to make things, meaning that the costs have come down. So it's not just about selling more stuff. It's also about selling more stuff in a more optimized way to increase earnings. Yeah, they've seen they've, they've seen it. They've seen a huge spike in production and services. So they're the they're the two main. They've had double digit growths in both of those areas, which is which for a company the size of Apple is absolutely huge. Exactly, and services depending on the service and and being categorized, they usually are high margin. Um, they offer a pretty decent margin. Margin is the is effectively the profit, the percentage of profit you make for, let's say, every dollar that you sell. So consulting services, as an example, which Apple has been growing, is a highly profitable business. So I think that they've been pushing to grow that part of their business for a while now. So is Apple something that's in your portfolio short term or is it long term or is it both? So I haven't topped up recently because they are a fairly large portion of my portfolio. So my my rules of money management right now won't, I don't think I would want to take on any more. Um, I invested some money a while back and I think on average I'm up 70% across three positions. I'll continue to hold those because I think that Apple is just going to continue. They, I think the music service is going to continue growing. I think their um, movie streaming service, which is okay now, I think it's going to get, continue to get better um, and better and a lot more. So I think they're going to do well. I, I do worry about them a little bit as it looks as though the iPhone is not seeing a lot of growth. And that's how they make most of their money. It's, I think it's like 44% of their revenues. And I think they only increased uh, growth over the last quarter, 1% or 2%. Yeah, I think the last time so I I'm, looked, it was 51%. Yeah. So they, I think they, they, but the phones at, at the moment are, are a vehicle for their services, for the apps you can buy. Um, and I think iPads are another vehicle for their services. But I think that long-term, looking five, 10 years out, not one, two year, one to two years out, Apple needs to find a new product. They need to make a car. They, they <laughs> I don't know what they need to do, but, but they need a new product. <laughs> yeah, Apple now have all of a sudden become the biggest car manufacturer in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that they could. I think that you know Elon <laughs> might be in trouble, but there are other avenues that are open to them. I'm not sure if people are aware in Europe, but Apple has a credit card in the U.S. I think the cashback is something like three percent on that credit card, which is amazing, effectively competing directly with the likes of American Express. So that could be another avenue for for them to start generating revenues. Um, but they really need to do it fast. They, they need a new product quickly. Topic three is Microsoft. Microsoft is one of the powerhouses of the tech companies. Now, we did a shares club there about six to eight months ago in London. And I, I remember sitting down and chatting to you about the likes of Microsoft. And Microsoft, you had backed to become one of the, or become the first $2 trillion company. Now, do you still stand by that statement or have you now changed your opinion? <laughs> so I think, I think it's, uh, it represented my bullishness on the, the, the business at the time. And I think I still am incredibly bullish. Um, I, I didn't think that Amazon, Apple, 
and Microsoft, who had all recently passed the $1 trillion market cap mark, would race to $2 trillion as, as quickly as they have. So I think Apple's probably going to beat them. They're at roughly $1.8 trillion at the moment. Microsoft's at a paltry $1.5 billion market cap. You, you, so, say, you say you know, poultry. <laughs> yeah. is it, is it, is every, every company would love to have that problem, wouldn't they? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so so I, think, I think that they probably aren't going to be the winners in the race to the $2 trillion mark, but they, they're definitely going to be a multi-trillion dollar business over the next decade. If you look at the earnings, everything was, was pretty positive from a Microsoft type of earnings point of view. But if you look at the stock, um, they haven't really gone anywhere. Whereas you have the likes of Apple, you have the likes of Amazon, you have the likes of Google. They have all massively spiked from earnings and have had a huge revenue growth where the likes of Microsoft hasn't. What happened? It's, it's one that has a lot of people scratching their heads because their growth in several areas was well beyond analysts' expectations, particularly in their, their cloud services area, which is a competitor, competitor to Amazon's AWS. Um, there were parts of their service offering that didn't do as well. For example, LinkedIn, which is largely around recruitment, uh, hasn't done particularly well. And I think smaller and medium-sized businesses haven't been signing up to Microsoft's subscription services, so like Office 365, as much as they were before, probably going for the cheaper Google Google suite of uh, products instead. So it is a bit confusing because there was some really good news mixed in with some fairly poor news, but the poor news was expected. I wonder if the market is not pushing Microsoft as hard as the others because it lacks that cool factor. It's an old person's stock. It's, it doesn't have the hip factor that Apple or Amazon, Amazon have. Now, Microsoft have um, been looking into buying a company called TikTok, which is it's something along the lines of Instagram, something like that, where you can actually show, uh, post videos, phenomenal uptake, which is a, a Chinese company. But Microsoft are looking to buy the US arm of this. Now, this is seems to be a strange fit. It doesn't, they don't seem <laughs> to be symbiotic at the minute. Do you, is it a good fit for you at the moment? It definitely is a strange fit, and I'm wondering what the, the end goal is. But I'm sure that Microsoft does have a plan. They have been acquiring social networks for some time now, LinkedIn being a large acquisition. Most people in the West at least know what LinkedIn is, and it, it basically is the place that you go when you're job hunting or looking to hire people. So they've bought that part of the business segment um, and there's nothing like it, effectively having the monopoly within the Western world. They then bought GitHub, which is the world's largest developer social network, as well as being a software developer tool. They've created a number of software developer tools outside of GitHub that also have been considered the best of breed. And slowly but surely, software developers are coming around to the fact that Microsoft is not the company that it used to be. So they're more inclined to use Microsoft technologies to build their software, which is obviously good for Microsoft's bottom line. So now with the TikTok acquisition, buying TikTok is not a bad idea if you look at it purely as a, from a product perspective. It's the fastest growing social network by a mile. It's a way to make a lot of money and 
from advertising revenue? And also, is it a way for them to start changing the minds of the Gen Zers in addition to the millennials in terms of the the image that Microsoft wants to project out in the world? So I, I wonder if they might try to unite all of these social networks. I, I don't think it would be a good idea because they're all quite different. Um, but I'm sure that they do have a plan. And I think that from a brand perspective, it probably is going to work out pretty well for them. Okay, so TikTok is a, is a Chinese company. So I think from our perspective, you and I and, and other experienced traders and people that follow the news, we know that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. I, I'm not sure how much the rest of the world, the end users, know or particularly care. Uh, but as you said, the people forget quite quickly. So um, I know that the CEO of Microsoft, I, I was reading it last night or earlier today, the CEO of Microsoft called Donald Trump to discuss this exact thing with him and to effectively get his sign-off on the acquisition of the US arm of the business. So Trump's not going to be stomping all over them, or <laughs> maybe not. He changes his mind quite frequently. Uh, so he's not going to be stomping all over them. I think that all the users of the app love it, so they're not going to be particularly concerned. And I think the market will move on to the next thing. They might, you know, there might be a few headlines out there, but I think ultimately they won't mind. Yeah, I, um, I, I read that. that. That's a bit of a strange one. Someone who is going to buy another company rings the presidents and asks them, is it okay to buy it? That, that is a very, yeah. <laughs> very strange scenario. Capitalism. It's, it's becoming weirder by the day, man. <laughs> it, 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 in fairness, though, it, that is a lot of people years ago would just, would just buy them. But now you have to go and speak to the president. Are you going to badmouth yeah. this or not? If you're going to badmouth us, let me know <laughs> now and I won't buy them. Yeah. Please, please let yeah. me know now. <laughs> but we all know. It's a strange Trump, world, man. We all know that Trump loves a bit of China. <laughs> um, but <Yeah. laughs> look, it's it, it's funny the way this world has gone sometimes. But it, with the likes of the the TikTok acquisition, if it goes through now, it is rumored mills. It, it, we don't know whether it will or won't. There's there's probably going to be an awful lot of fine prints. But where where do you think the revenue will come from? This the likes of a lot of these mergers are coming together. They they save companies um, millions of pounds because they have licenses or they, they have partnerships or they're symbiotic, they work together. But this seems to be a merger of two completely different companies. So where do you think or see the revenue coming from? I suspect that at least initially, they will leave it alone uh, because as in terms of a brand, they won't try to integrate the operations too much beyond buying out the US arm. Um, I don't think they'll try to unite the brand too much initially. LinkedIn is still LinkedIn and there isn't much of an imprint of Microsoft as the LinkedIn network. Uh, TikTok does make some money from advertising and I think that it's still in its infancy. At the moment, it's doing what startups of its kind like to do, which is acquire market share. I think that as it matures, it could start becoming quite a scary competitor to the likes of Instagram. Instagram is obviously a massive money owner. Um, so I think initially revenues will come from that kind of area. Uh, but I don't know 
what else Microsoft might start doing with user data in the background. I don't think they'll sell it or do anything too nefarious with it, but they might start using it to optimize other products that they have. Um, so I think there's probably two angles. How do we make lots of money from it? And then can we use the data that we have in it to optimize other parts of our business? Um, so we'll have to see. Once it becomes part of a public company, we'll know a bit more about it. So you've um, just stated, you've said something there that probably a lot of our our listeners may or may not know about. But what what do you mean by acquiring market share? So what a lot of the young successful startups do these days is they create a product and they show investors that it's it's a bit sticky. There are people out there that are willing to use or buy that product. And they ask those investors very politely, will you give us many, many billions of dollars to run our company? So, you know, Uber's done this type of thing. And then effectively that money is used to add more people to, if it's a social network, to the social network. Uber used the VC money to make the investor money to make sure that their rides were the cheapest and that they could pay their, their riders the most. Well, at one point they did at least. So effectively, those companies are willing to pour investment money, sometimes at a loss, into bringing more people onto their platform, get more people buying their products. And once you have a certain proportion of the market, so if you, for example, if TikTok has billions of users and suddenly suddenly it has power to go out to advertise and say, look, we own 50% of the world, We've got, an, we've got a huge portion of the market and we've got lots of data on the people that we advertise to. So you need to pay us extra if you want to advertise to them. Yeah, so it's all about advertisement and that's where the, the, the money will come from. I think initially, yes. I think that's where the direct revenues will come from. Okay, perfect. Well, look, Wesley, um, it's been an ap- absolute pleasure. Do you want to tell people where they can find you or where they can follow you on the eToro platform? Sure. So I'm Wesley on eToro. That's W-E-S-L-3-Y. I also am on Twitter quite a lot. So you can find me there under Wes Nolte, all one word. Um, I'm always keen to have a chat about investments. So send me any questions and I'm, I'm happy to pick them up and answer. So anyone who wants to jump in on the education or learning that I do every month or, or every every week or even onto the Tuesday webinars, just go to the eToro Trading School and you can jump in on any of those educational webinars. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Wesley, for, for jumping in, for Dylan. And everyone, I hope you have a lovely day. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.